Welcome to Conversations with I Follow the Leader, made possible by I Follow the Leader, LLC. I am your host, Antonetta Mosley. I'm the CEO and Principal Leader at I Follow the Leader and a Certified Diversity Professional. I founded the firm in 2016 because I believe the historical prototype of what a successful leader looks like needs to change. We help leaders and organizations thrive and reach their highest potential. This is a place where those of a different feather can soar together. Thanks for joining us today. Hello, everyone. It is Antonetta Mosley, and I am so excited today. I always say I'm excited, but you may see my smile is even bigger because this is our largest episode. We have four amazing guests. It is so large and so amazing that we had to turn it into a two-part series. I cannot wait for you to meet my fellow team members. We are all in Leadership Triangles Regional Cohort, and I believe our class is the best ever. I know everyone may think that, but not only these amazing women, but our other 20 cohort members have been so amazing. We graduate next week. And a part of our graduation is to present on a topic we're passionate about. Well, something that's come up a lot in our class is health disparities um, and also inequities that happen in communities. Our community, for those who are not local, is the Triangle, so Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill area in North Carolina. And we're going to focus on that a lot today. However, a lot of the stats we will share actually apply nationally and globally as well. What is this topic today? It is I am my sister's keeper, overcoming disparities in healthcare for Black women. Often Black women aren't talked about and are not the focus, even though their health outcomes are often lower than others. And so we are going to shine a light today on Black women. And the beautiful thing is, it's not only Black women here. And that's why the topic is, I am my sister's keeper, because we each have a responsibility to look out for each other in the community. We are now going to do introductions. My name is Antonetta Mosley. I'm the Chief Encouragement Officer at I Follow the Leader and the host of this podcast. I am just excited to, to be here today. And I love to keynote speak, but I really love community work. So love nonprofits, love thinking about those big issues, including DEI on how we can move forward. Uh, and I am based in Durham, North Carolina. Chrissy. So I'm Chrissy Salestad, and I am the Chief Operating Officer at Triangle Family Services in Raleigh. But I am a Dermite, so I live in Durham. <laughs> so I love that our topic is all uh, centered around the triangle because it affects all of us in this area. Good morning. I am Kim Glenn. I'm president of Moss and Ross, and we are a regional uh, triangle-based consulting firm that helps focus all of our work on nonprofits and capacity building. So this is especially important um, from that angle as well, because we want to lift everyone in our community 
And what affects one woman and her child affects every woman and her child. And so that's why um, this is so important to me. Good morning, everyone. My name is Penny Carroll, and I am almost five years new to this region. Uh, I am a professor uh, at North Carolina Central University, the College of Arts and Social Sciences, specifically the social work department. And I have been, as a social worker, I've worked in the field from micro, mezzo, macro perspectives. And I have been passionate about women's health, Black women's health for a very long time. And so I am really interested to um, just continue on the conversation and heightening greater awareness. Awesome. I love that. And before I have some of our team members pop off, I would love for everyone to just share a little bit. And Penny, we can go with you and go reverse order. But um, why this topic? Why now? Um, you know, why was this important? We could do a lot of different topics with our regional program. And so why was this one so important? Well, you know, um, you know, I, I don't know. We don't have very long to talk about this, but um, I, I can speak for myself. Uh, I'm a granddaughter of a, I have a grandmother, paternal grandmother who experienced this maternal child um, death in uh, the 20, 1920s. My uncle was three months old when she passed away. I found out uh, from a birth certificate, I'm sorry, a death certificate that I found on the census on um, uh, Ancestry. And it just really intrigued me. And um, it, it just the, the power and the resilience of women, uh, the history of women. Um, it's, and, and looking at my own life and my own family and how health and wellness has impacted their livelihood. And uh, just brings from the, you know, it's just intriguing me from past, present, and what we can do for the future. Awesome. And so um, that's it. Yeah. And I want to go to TT and TT, if you can share your why with, with your introduction. Absolutely. I'm TT Lyos Samoran, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging strategist and practitioner. Most recently, with Bose Corporation as a program manager and coordinator for their DEIB department. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I actually am located in Raleigh. And our cohort has been amazing. Meeting these ladies has been so enriching. But my why, number one, I am a mom. And becoming a mother, as you know, is one of the most special, enlightening, just amazing journeys in your life. But I realized with each of my children, I have two, that my knowledge and understanding of the health disparities for Black women wasn't as as vast as it is now. And I probably would have advocated a lot more for myself, especially mm -hmm. as a mom who's had two cesarean sections. I probably would have advocated a little more to have a natural vaginal birth and just the other inequities that you experience as a Black woman receiving um, maternal or OB care. So that is my why. And um, as you see from my shirt, I <laughs> lost my mom six years ago. So anything pertaining to maternal issues is just near and dear to my heart. Although it wasn't due to maternal any uh, maternal disparities, it's still just a soft spot for me. So I'm happy to be here and share with you all. 
Awesome. And read your shirt for those who are just going to be listening uh, to the podcast, because that's the fun thing. We're going to have people watching and people listening. So please read your shirt for those who can't see it. Sure, sure. My shirt says my mother was everything and then some. And it's actually I just want to shout this out because it's on uh, it's on brain for this topic. It's from Message in a Bottle, a black owned T-shirt company based yes. out of my hometown in Baltimore. And my, my baby sister actually gifted it to me um, a few Mother's Day ago. So it's one of probably the most special gifts I've received from her since I lost my mom. So I just wanted to wear it today and kind of bring that energy. <laughs> that's beautiful. And I have shirts from Message in a Bottle too. So that's awesome. Uh, yeah, shout out to them, Black black women-owned company. Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome. So yeah, Chris, uh, Kim, Kim, if you can share your why. Yeah, I think I highlighted it a little bit earlier, but to me, it's just when you think about women, um, obviously giving birth is unique to women and um, the experience of that and having children. And as I've, I love the leadership triangle cohort that we're in, and I loved this group for um, really shining the spotlight on Black maternal health and the crisis that that is ensuing. I had heard some statistics around it, but I did not know the extent of it. And so again, I go back to what affects one woman affects all women and what affects her children affects all women. And so it's critically important. And that's kind of how we all brainstorm this idea of, yeah, we are all our sister's keepers. And so um, I just have been blown away by the passion of this group, but also the great work that is happening out in the community that we want to shine the spotlight on today. People care. You know, that's the message. There's a lot that's not happening that we want to happen, but there are people out there who are pushing this um, and amplifying this, and we just want to amplify their voices and continue this conversation so we can change outcomes. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, Chrissy. Uh, my why is very MCAM. So I am also a mother of two small children. Both of my experiences in childbirth um, were not easy experiences. Um, and and um, just the, the process of if you're not able to advocate and be listened to and receive the best. Um, and I had experiences. And as Kim was saying too, what affects person in this experience affects all of us. And these disparities are acceptable. And, and we have to shine a light on this topic and we have to amplify of the work that people are doing in this area because it's so, so important. No one should have to go childbirth experience without being able to be listened cared for to the best possible um, outcome. Awesome. Thank you. And for those who are listening, uh, the great thing is we are going to talk about maternal health, but also health care in general. And so I am someone I have not had a child yet. However, I have had many experiences in healthcare, And so for me, being from Atlanta, Georgia, it was much easier to find a black doctor there 
then in Durham, North Carolina, et cetera. And so making sure just for my overall health, do I feel like I have a doctor, practitioner, OB, et cetera, who understands where I'm coming from? And so the great thing today, if you're wondering where are they going to go with this, I'm going to give you a little sneak preview. We're going to start with the roots. Where did this start? How did this begin? And really talk about some of those statistics. Uh, and also our team members are gonna share some of their experience um, visiting plantation grounds in North Carolina. Uh, in the second episode, we are going to talk about where are we now? And so we're actually going to share information from a birth center in North Carolina, as well as sharing information from a town hall we attended. And so we're really going to cover the span of disparities in healthcare today. Tune in. Um, we are going to say bye to two of our friends for now, Penny and Kim, and they are going to be back for the next episode. The beautiful thing for those who are watching and tuning in online, you will actually be able to see comments from those team members because we will be highlighting them throughout. So thank you, thank you, Penny and Kim. We will see you again later. TT, Chrissy, how you feeling? Good, feeling great. Awesome. Awesome. We have talked about this topic so much together as a group, and it is going to be hard to distill just all of the information we learned. So just know in the show notes, we are going to put further links and further information for those who really want to stay in touch with some of these groups we talk about. So what I want to start with is just you all recently, last week, last Friday, actually, visited a plantation in North Carolina. I am actually going to read the description for those who maybe haven't visited before and do not know about it. So historic Stagville is a state historic site that includes the remnants of one of the largest plantations in North Carolina. The Benahan Cameron family owned approximately 30,000 acres of land and claimed ownership over about 900 people who were enslaved on the property. Stagville protects a, a fraction of the land from the plantation, including original slave quarters from 1851, a massive barn, 1860, and a Benahan family house, 1787 to 1799. It is dedicated to teaching about the lives and work of, of enslaved people on the plantations. So for those who want to learn more, you can go to historicsites.nc.gov and then you can go to Stadville. They are on Old Oxford Highway in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, so I just want to, when you all told me about this experience, I, I want to bring our audience there. So TT, if you can just talk about when you first drove onto the ground, how did you feel? It, it was weird, as we discussed. I don't know, weird is not even a proper adjective. It, it was a, an immediate change in my, I think, spirit. It was almost as if, of course, because you're going into a plantation, you're not there every day. So it was very much going back into time. 
But when you turn into the property, it's as if you can feel all of the spirits that were there. You're immediately met with like a, um, a pebble stone road. It's nothing but trees friendly all around. And I think that's intentional. Um, it's a long road to the visitor center, which is where we all met. And so you literally ride through a good portion of the plantation. And to your right, which is very clear when you first enter, you can see the big house. So it definitely immediately, you know, okay, I'm on a plantation. It's, it's, no, it's no doubt about it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Christy, what were your feelings driving up? Yeah, Titi and I, uh, we were the first ones to arrive. We shared this experience as we um, drove in and we both looked, just kind of had this moment of like realization that we both experienced that same um, coming on of going back in time. And I've been to other historians and, and, and seen this, you know, this uh, concept back in time and things like that but there was something as you drove on that just came of what that experience had to have been you know like at that time about the people and how many people were enslaved there and and what happened to them so it was a very eerie sort Words either TT it, um, and that was the first thing that we looked at each other and said, um, both experienced this same feeling as we as we came out to the property. Thank you, thank you for sharing, and um, yeah, I love Kim put in the chat just right. The the focus is on the lives and experience of enslaved people rather than the plantation owners. And so I know even when I talk to you all and I'm looking forward to, to visiting soon, um, I was out of town, but I would love for you to share just about, you know, do you get to go to the big house? Usually when you go to visit these properties, you go take a tour through the big house and see all the amazing things. So if you can just explain more about that, do you get that experience here? No, actually, that was one of the first things our tour guide, who was awesome, by the way. What, do you remember her name, Chrissy? Faith. Faith yeah. was her name. She was awesome and her level of understanding detail, but also continuing to recenter and remind us that this is about the people who were enslaved on this property. So you do not get to tour the big house. You don't get to tour the big house. And so we do go and she explains about the family, the year it was uh, built. One thing that we found it was very interesting is the Brenham family went from, I think, 400 acres, Chrissy? I believe that's correct. After the Revolutionary War to 30,000 acres by the Civil War. And additionally, we got the, and specifically for those of us who live in Raleigh, like myself, and the brochure that you get before the tour, it was mentioned that the Burnham and Cameron families owned uh, this plantation that the Cameron family married into the Burnham family. And I asked, I said, well, Cameron, is that any affiliation to Cameron Village in Raleigh, which is 
for those of you who aren't aware, Cameron Village is a large shopping area in Raleigh, very close to downtown. Uh, lots of nice stores, uh, luxury, for, for better, let's see, higher end um, eateries. Just a really nice place, similar to North Hills if you're familiar with Raleigh. And she said, yes, that's actually, uh, the Cameron family had a mansion in that area. And that area subsequently grew and again carries the family name. But she did denote that although Cameron Village carries that family's name, the families have kind of distanced themselves from Sackville. But they did, however, donate all of their records to UNC Chapel Hill. Yeah, that's, you know, something when we talk about inequities is, is often the acknowledgement of past histories. Mm -hmm. And so are we willing to acknowledge what has happened in the past so that we can learn and move forward? And so that's why experiences and opportunities like this are so important that we don't erase past history or else we can find ourselves back there. And um, I want to read something else they put on their site is just, um, right, this shows a powerful intergenerational history of slavery, emancipation, and injustice. Discover stories of family, forced labor. I think that's just such a good term, forced labor. Mm -hmm. Instead of just saying labor, so our language matters, I really love how they phrase this. Um, forced labor, freedom seeking. So seeking freedom because you may not have gotten it in those times. And resistance. It continues to expand the interpretation of the history of slavery with archaeology, oral histories, and research. And so would love to know from you all just experiencing this. Do you think it's something right people should go to? How did the experience impact you? Um, if it was your first time visiting a plantation, would love to know more from you all. Absolutely, I'll, I'll, <laughs> you can go. I know we've talked about this um, together, and that um, it's specifically focused on the enslaved people's lives and what they experienced as the white slaveholders and the you know the power dynamics there and and stories the the specific records that they had um we all agreed that we want to come we want to us who have kids want to bring these are the this is the the things in history that we need and we need to talk about piece of why we're talking about it today because it does affect things um, in life at this time. And hearing directly about, I mean, it was very clear to see the connections of how things have happened over and and to look at why we're still dealing with all these same issues because they've been building some and you can see what happened you can see the the different power dynamics and all the things that built from that time and and that faith who was leading tour was very open about it and very dark about what happened and describing the stories from directly from the 
um, which I thought will. Thank you. Yeah, Titi, your your thoughts. Well, it was my first time visiting a plantation where the enslaved people were centered, right? Um, anytime you go to a plantation, it's usually about, oh, the, the, the structure of the home, the interior design, right? It's kind of romanticized, which is why I don't frequent them. And so I was it was refreshing, you know, to actually have this experience. And as we think about our topic today with Black maternal health, a lot of the stories that we shared uh, were about a couple of the enslaved women, one woman who escaped and was able to reunite with her children after the Civil War. But there was that component of, of course, as we know, the one drop rule, if you had, if an enslaved woman had a child, that child was automatically born into slavery and considered property. And those dynamics, even if the father was a white slaveholder. So it was it it was a lot of that maternal health thread, uh, even visiting the slave quarters. We actually got an opportunity to go inside one and see. And it's outside of it was interesting. Chrissy and I were reading uh, throughout the plantation, they have plaques outside of certain areas to explain the importance of it. And this, these slave quarters were considered upper, upper echelon. These were nice for that time because they were two stories, right? But then in the same paragraph, it says, these were considered great at the time because they were built high. Because as we know, typhoid disease, malaria in the 1820s and 30s um, killed a lot of persons, people who were enslaved. And, but then it says, Four families, right, Chrissy, right. lived in the right. slave quarters. One, you know, and I, and so, you know what I mean? It's great. This was great for the time. And four families lived here that consisted of anywhere from five to eight people. Yeah, yeah. thank you all. Yeah, and I just seeing some of the the pictures um, is really impactful as well. And I. The point you made about not romanticizing slavery, I think is just so important. Um, and so just for those who maybe haven't learned a lot about slavery in the United States, just wanna share a few stats. Estimated that between 1619, when the first enslaved Africans were brought to the British colonies in North America and 1865, when slavery was abolished in the US, approximately 12.5 million Africans were forcibly transported to the Americas with around 10.7 million surviving the journey. All right, so you have those who didn't survive the journey and then you had those who made it. We, of course, in North Carolina, we're, we're in the South um, and slaves made up approximately one third of the population in the southern states before the Civil War. And so you think about, right, when you look at the statistics today, right, it's much less um, how many Black people are in the United States. Uh, typically in a lot of cities is about 10% or less. And you look about, right, in these times, one third of the citizens were Black people, but obviously having no rights. Um, and so when you just think about the impact that's had, we've talked a lot about that in Leadership Triangle, is just these disparities, right? It may seem so long ago, 1619, 1865, however, 
uh, these disparities are still prevalent in healthcare and in every aspect um, of the lives of Black people today. Uh, Kim shared something that is just hard to fathom that, you know, only three people in, who were enslaved there escaped over the history of the plantation. And so just to think, right, of feeling that forced labor, right, that you have no other choice, I think is, is really important to highlight for only three people to be able to escape and then not knowing what would happen after, right? Like you, if you get out, what happens to you? Um, so yeah, just really important to share those stats. Last one I'll share right now is just slavery was formally abolished in the US with the ratification of the 13th Amendment to the Constitution in 1865 following the Civil War. However, segregation and discrimination against Black people continued. And we did an exercise in Leadership Triangle about the laws that continued. Um, so we'd love to know just your thoughts on any of those stats or even uh, the simulation we did in, in Leadership Triangle when we think about how slavery still impacts Black people today. Yeah, TT. Um, the simulation, that was amazing. Dr. Rhonda is amazing. And the racial wealth gap simulation is what it was called. There were 13 real policies, okay, included in the game. We played in groups of four, and each policy was read by a team member. Oh, let me point out the, the, the integral piece to the simulation was that the white participants played as Black players, and the Black participants played as white players. And there were what, three cards you could get, money, land, loss of opportunity. And so after you read the policy, and the policies range from Jim Crow to redlining to uh, the Social Security Act, which many people do not know excluded black people uh, and to even the business uh, loans, et cetera. And so at the end of the game, you essentially, and it tells you, you read the policy and it tells you if you're a black player, this is what you need to do. Either take a card, you know, a loss of opportunity, uh, money card, et cetera, and vice versa for black players. And then at the end, you tallied the amount of cards you either didn't or didn't have. And it was eye-opening because it got everyone, it gave everyone an opportunity to play the, on the opposite team, so to speak. And, you know, it gave also better understanding, and I've raised this question or something to this effect after doing our debrief is that you hear a lot of these tropes, specifically in the past, what, seven years, since 2016, um, about Black people and why we don't have certain things. And there have a lot of times lies, but even half truths. Again, people don't understand that Black soldiers didn't benefit from the GI Bill. And that was a major gateway for a lot of white people to become homeowners and do what? Develop generational wealth. So I thought that was amazing. And as far as the plantation, just realizing when we heard that only three people escaped in what, almost 200 years of that plantation's existence, to me, it spoke to the level of brutality 
that the enslaved people in that plantation had to endure because there's no way that didn't happen. That happened by happenstance. That was strategic. And I'm sure a, a great amount of fear was instilled in our ancestors to not even attempt. But one thing Faith did highlight is there was resistance in spite of only three people successfully. That's successful escapes, right? That people still attempted to escape. One of the owners was poisoned, right? Yes. Chrissy? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so that those were my takeaways from the uh, simulation and, and the plantation. Thank you. Yeah. Chrissy, yeah, thoughts. Yes. No, I, I mean, with TT um, and I, I mean, we spent a lot of time in Antonetta. We all talked about the simulation afterwards and how impactful that was to really talk through the real, the real legislation and um, laws that were put into place. And I, I know TT, you and I talked about, I, I mean, I studied African-American history um, in college and even I didn't know about the Social Security Act. And there were things that I didn't know, um, even from the things that I've tried to learn over the years, that I was um, still you know, taking that information. And I think it was really impactful for our entire group to see how um, it was specifically embedded in the laws. And for those of you listening, if you have not read The Color of Law, oh my gosh, go back and go read that book. Um, it's it's amazing and terrifying and horrible, but um, really good read um, and important history to understand. Um, thinking back on the, the plantation piece too, um, one of the things I was reminded of TT was when um, she was talking, Faith was talking about um, kind of that the birthing experience and um, and we and they talked a lot about the increase um, in the slaves over time right we talked about how it was you know increased to over a thousand people um, by the time the Civil War ended who were enslaved on this plantation um, and she specifically talked about um, you know at first they were the you know they were stealing and kidnapping Africans and bringing them over as part of the slave trade. Um, and then they relied on what they called natural increase, and that was childbirth. And they really relied on women to give birth to more children to become slaves. And they she talked a lot about this and, and the childbirth experience, too, where at the beginning, they had doctors who would help with the childbirth experience, but that became too expensive over time when they had so many women giving birth. And I uh, remember she mentioned that uh, I think it was Duncan and Paul, I think were their names, the, the slave owners, um, the Camerons, uh, tried to help themselves, like tried to help with the birth experience themselves. And then um, eventually, and that, that was not successful. And eventually this created opportunity for the enslaved women helped each other by becoming midwives for each other in that experience. Um, and that just... I mean, I think we all talked about that uh, specifically around one, the, the lack of care and concern about the childbirth experience from the slave owners because it was so you know, deemed too expensive to get a doctor, but also relied on women to have children for enslavement. And then also this piece of, you know, again, like you said, TT, um, the women being resilient and the people being resilient, I mean, having to, there's no choice. They had to help each other because there was no option. Um, and I thought that those were really important pieces to think about um, as that experience of childbirth specifically 
um, is still talked about today. The disparities and the and the outcomes are still so um, differentiated between race. And that was I just going back and understanding that history um, and those pieces of information that Faith shared uh, from Stagville, I thought were important to that conversation. Thank you both. And thank you everyone in the comments. Um, really love people are sharing resources that we'll be able to add uh, to the notes. Just want to shout out Michelle. Thank you for being here. She is in our cohort as well. So thank you, Michelle, for watching. Uh, Mary, thank you for being here and just saying this conversation needs to be had. Susan, thank you for being here. Um, and, and supporting, and she actually shared a book, that there's a book about one of the enslaved families from Stagville, so we will be sure to link that resource. I am looking forward to, to reading it. It's called To Free a Family, The Journey of Mary Walker. So excited about that. We will link it in the show mm -hmm. notes. Um, really, really helpful. And then also share that there's one about the plantation itself. So thank you so much, Susan, for linking those. Uh, really important. And something that Kim shared, our, our teammate, is this is what it means when we talk about systemic racism. Laws and policies that prevented Black people from accessing loans, living in certain places, etc. And so we're going to get deeper into that next session. What did all of this lead up to? Where are we now? Um, Titi and Chrissy shared just some of the things that Black women face. And so I want to highlight um, some of those as well says enslaved black women were forced to work long hours in fields, homes, factories, often performing physically demanding tasks, um, not only for their children, but also for white children as well. They of course received no compensation for that labor and had no legal rights. Despite the many obstacles they faced, enslaved black women played a vital role in the resistance movement against slavery organized and participated in slave revolts, escaped to freedom, provided support to other enslaved people. Uh, and so it's just so important, Kim talked about this in the beginning, just the importance of women in any movement. And, and that's what a lot of research shows that when women are doing well, communities are doing well. And so you see that not only now, but even through slavery, right? The, the Black women learning um, to, to be doulas, to help others to have healthy babies. And so I think those things are just really important um, that Black women, uh, Christine, who leads our who leads Leadership Triangle told us yesterday, right? When you think of those civil rights heroes, often the Black women who were supporting the men aren't talked about, but we're critical in these movements and it's the same today. Um, so yes, really recommend you. We're gonna put all of these resources in. I am going to vi visit um, Stagville. So if others are interested in going, uh, would be happy to coordinate um, a visit there just to learn more. And so as we get ready to segue um, into our next session, which will start at 1030 and where we're going to really talk about where are we today, I would love to know Chrissy, Titi, and also Kim and, and Penny um, would love to know from you all 
what is just something you want to leave those who are listening or watching with around this issue? Um, what are some final thoughts as we think about the rutology and, and slavery and, and your visit at Stagville? Anything you'd like to share? Yeah, that this was the genesis of the disparities that we still experience um, with Black maternal health to just our everyday lives as marginalized people. And not only that, it's not just because it's easy, and in my work, focuses a lot on language, as you mentioned and we discussed, because it's easy to blame an overarching system, because then we don't have to take personal responsibility. But a lot of these laws and policies were enacted through social behavior. Okay, you can't uphold something that people are not willing to uphold. So when you think about wealth disparities and how there were Black people who pulled themselves up and purchased homes in certain neighborhoods. And it was the neighbors in the neighborhood who made it hard for them, right? That wasn't just the system, it was the people. So really understanding that um, bias has influenced the way we've been treated as black mothers since slavery, hence what happens with us today. And all of those social norms really impact how we navigate life on a daily basis. I have to agree. I, I mean, TT really said it well that essentially, I think my big takeaway from this and um, was really, really highlighted in, in this visit to Stagville um, and, and from all of my learning and, and I continue to learn more. I, and I think that's the real takeaway here is that there's so much that's not taught. And I know there's this, this whole concept of critical race theory and these other things. And the issue is, this is just history. This is this is history and it's our history. It's our history. And if you don't know your own history, you can't you know, make changes. You can't work in the world. You can't do the things. You can't learn from mistakes. And that's where I see us now is we continue to repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat the same mistakes and the same behaviors and the same institutionalized laws and things that have, you know, been happening since slavery. And I think that's the real takeaway for me is that we have to continue to talk about it no matter how much people don't want to or people try to stop the talk or stop the action. Um, we have to talk about it. We have to continue to amplify this message to talk about our history, to share our history um, so that we can stop the cycle. There's That's the only way you get to that point is if you know that you're in a cycle and you know what's happening um, and you share that knowledge. Wow, thank you both. I mean, something, a key point from both of yours are one, like recognizing your bias knowing that we all have biases, as TT said, and until you see and recognize your biases, you can't do anything about it. And then Chrissy, wow, this is our history. Um, obviously, we know there's book bans and, and so many things going on. Um, I, I honestly, my perception is that may have worked when we were growing up, but technology is way too far along. Um, I mean, right now I, I put in the chat, 
GT, I always say it wrong. I feel like I'm old. My husband laughs at me. I always want to call it Georgia Tech. But I, I put into the chat app, just right, give me some good quotes about health disparities. And I pulled it. So kids nowadays have so much access to knowledge. So banning a book in school is not going to stop people from knowing the truth about, I love it, Chrissy, again, our history. This is our history. Um, for those who are in the United States. And so I just want to end with, with some of these powerful quotes um, about health disparities, and we will go into our next segment at 1030. Of all the forms of inequality, injustice in healthcare is the most shocking and inhumane. That is MLK. Uh, health disparities are not merely a symptom of injustice, but a consequence of structural racism. Camera Phyllis Jones, injustice in healthcare is simply unacceptable. It is a moral failing of our society. Helen Gale, and then health inequities are not a footnote to the work of public health. They are the main event. And that is from Monica Spana. And so what if we started treating health inequities and disparities as the most important thing in healthcare? What would that look like to highlight inequities? What would it look like to have more of these courageous conversations, right? Not only if you're in the medical field, but just because you're a change agent in the community. And so, so excited. TT, Chrissy, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we will be back at 1030 and we're going to talk about where are we now. Thank you, everyone. And we will see you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Conversations with I Follow the Leader. We appreciate you. Be sure to subscribe to receive new episode alerts. To learn more about the firm, go to ifollowtheleader.com. I also want to encourage you, whether you're a change agent or leader, you can be a part of the solution. Now let's go make a positive impact and push the pace of progress. The world needs us.